0: And I remember one of them, who's actually a friend of mine, he, he's telling me that he's read in their books. And he told me this, I would say, about 12 years ago, 14, 12 to 14 years ago. He said that he found in their books that they say that there's only one thing that, actually, that can actually properly protect you uh, from the, the, the negative effects of these things. And that's a verse that is found in the Muslim holy book, the Qur'an. And that verse is ayatul kursi, which is really, really interesting, right? It's ayatul kursi. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. was salatu was salamu ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin. Amma ba'd. Wa ma kafara sulayman, wa lakinna shayateena kafaru yuallimunan nasa al-sihr. Sadaqallahu al-azim. What we want to speak about today is something which is a reality and it's one of those realities which is very very interesting for a lot of people, um, scary uh, in some ways and uh, extremely disconcerting for uh, many people. This is the issue of uh, witchcraft, the issue of magic and spells and sorcery and uh, as I said uh, witchcraft There's been a renewed interest, I mean there's always been witchcraft throughout the various different cultures, not just in Islamic cultures, in Jewish culture and in Christian culture and uh, various other cultures and you would have probably assumed that when it comes to atheists or people without religion or secularists or agnostics that there would be um, no interest in this, Uh, there would just be a denial of this aspect and a look of Uh, disdain and uh, disbelief uh, with regards to uh, sorcery and witchcraft and magic. However, uh, there's a number of articles that you can read um, from recent times, uh, the last year or so, or probably a bit longer, where there's a lot of people in the West who don't uh, consider themselves to be following any religion and who actually look down upon these things, who are getting into witchcraft. They're getting into sorcery. They're engaging in occult uh, practices, they're dabbling in it, they're experimenting with it So why do they do that? And why are people doing that? So there's these articles that you can read about why people are doing this And uh, I think a lot of it comes uh, from how we are made, how humans are made Uh, Humans are made uh, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we believe to uh, revere Allah There's within every human being There's an ability to believe in a God To believe in a higher reality A creator A nourisher, a cherisher That's uh, built into Every human being because uh, That had to be uh, there That had to be there for us to be Able to believe and to be given the challenge From Allah to believe in So even from a theological perspective That has to be there And what we can see is that where you have certain communities around the world, uh, both historically and even probably nowadays, probably less so, you, you have a lot of uh, communities and cultures and civilizations in which they did not know about Islam or Christianity or Judaism or any other kind of organized religion. Um, you see that you get this, uh, you, you get this idea that people want to believe in something greater than themselves. This is an inherent characteristics, an inherent need, you could say. There's an inherent need within every human being to look for something greater, to revere something, to uh, admire something, to think of something as their cherisher, and so on and so forth. So you'll see in many primitive communities, in small villages, maybe across Africa or other places, and definitely historically in Asia and other places, you'll see that they will start to uh, revere and respect and worship and give offerings to the biggest tree in town the biggest tree in the village the largest tree in the village that would become their god they'll ascribe some kind of divinity or a connection to some, uh, of some divinity to this place to this large tree uh, sometimes they take a mountain as their lord sometimes they'll take the great lake or the ocean as their lord there's a big boulder or a, uh, there's a big boulder or something or a big animal or something like that usually people equate Greatness obviously with large in size, large in proportion or um, things of that nature because everybody has this desire within them to look out for something and to revere something and respect something regardless who that person is. So you see that they do this. Now, there's some religions, of course, they consider that anything from which benefit uh, is derived, that could be a god, that could have divinity of some sort. And that's why the cow is revered in many places. In fact, even the private parts, I mean, there's uh, Lin Buja, I think that's what it's called. Uh, Even the private parts are revered in that sense and considered to have some kind of uh, divinity in in, in that sense. So that all comes down to this human desire to revere something it's in everyone now in the modern world when people have given up what they would what they would assume as the traditional classical gods you know of uh, of the earlier centuries you know christianity uh, they've given up christianity christianity has been pushed out of much of the european continent uh, they they have relegated it to a pra- uh, to a i mean all religion in fact they've relegated it to a private practice so leave it at the door when you come to work uh, when you go to school, when you go into the media, leave it at the door. You know, they'll tolerate that much. They won't tolerate trying to bring it in. Of course, Muslims are having a hard trouble with this because we're not willing to leave our religion at the door because Islam is totalizing. Islam governs every aspect of our life, including when we're at work and when we're at school. When the beckon and call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes, we have to respond and say, Labaik, you know, and, uh, and, and pray and say, Allahu Akbar. So, that's where the whole turmoil is coming about a lot of the places where you see that we muslims want to establish masjids these were places uh, uh, if you you look at the map and you should probably go to uh, the M- Museum of London. If you've not been to the Museum of London in around the Barbican area, I think uh, you know all Londoners should actually go there because it's really interesting to know how this great city of London was actually you know founded uh, as a Londinium, you know, as a, a small Roman garrison town on the banks of you know the the River Thames, you know, many hundreds of years ago, and then eventually developed. And as you see its development, as you go around the museum and you see its development, you actually see. How uh, when Christianity came in, and uh, there were literally the way we see Mus- uh, the way we see mosques in Muslim countries, where at the end of each large street. In each localized area, there'll be a Musalla at least, if not a large jami, a large uh, you know, Jummah masjid as they call them. Right? This is exactly how it was. That's why you see so many churches. I mean, the churches are just being sold, uh, you know, 50 or more a year being sold and turned into uh, multiple things. Uh, and then when Muslims want to establish a masjid somewhere, the council has big issues with that because they just don't understand. That Muslim needs to pray five times a day. This is an expression of their faith. This is adherence to their faith. This helps them. This keeps them grounded. It keeps them healthy. It keeps them spiritually nourished. And spiritually nourished people are better people, you know, for the society. They just don't understand that because religion is not important. Hopefully, and it does seem that things are opening up in that regard, right? So, um, people have this desire. Now, in the modern world, when you don't have this, you could say that one of the biggest religions in the modern world is money. Money is the God now, is the new deity, is the new God. It's money. One of the recent uh, awliya who just passed away, uh, his statement was really, really, really profound. He said that it's a good job that Muslims have to go back you know, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala five times a day for those who pray five times a day. Or those who go to the masjid every Friday. Right? that they can then be reminded that you actually believe in Allah otherwise even the muslims right who consider themselves to be adherent to the religion and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even them have taken god as their their divinity, uh, for their divinity for 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 their god you know for their object of worship because an object of worship is who you sacrifice yourself for who you get up for early in the morning right who you are willing to do uh, undertake many many efforts and sacrifices and endeavors uh, for to to do these things and this is exactly what's happening with money today right there's a massive uh, explosion of prosperity it's just everywhere and you can get it if you work hard and you can get it so it's a good job that we have to come and be reminded of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so it keeps us grounded alhamdulillah alhamdulillah now along with that to coming to our our original discussion here is that Because people are looking for exploration, they have time and there's an explosion of information and through social media, primarily on TikTok, you've got multiple multiple, uh, videos uh, uh, on social media, on TikTok and other places that show how to do witchcraft, that show you how to do sorcery, that tell you how to uh, chant uh, various different spells and uh, beckon and uh, invoke certain spirits. And otherworldly objects. Uh, th- th- this is this is what's going on. I mean, there's th- th- there's like a procedure that you could learn to do this. I'm not encouraging this, but this is what's happening. And uh, no longer are the wizards and the witches of what used to used to see in classical times or depictions of with pointed hats and spells uh, and uh, you can say broomsticks. Th- these are very modern ideas. You you, you know th- these would be people that look absolutely normal, but they entranced uh, with, with these ideas and they call on to these things and sometimes they get possessed or they have a relationship of some sort and they make contracts with one another i mean in islam we've had that we know about this because magic is a reality the verses i read at the beginning from surah al-baqarah uh, speaking about Sulaiman alayhi salam and you know the magic uh, that 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 was allowed to be on the earth And then it was told that these are bad things. This is not allowed to be used. That's why in Islam, we're not allowed to use magic. You know, in haram and according to other scholars, it's even just absolute kufr and disbelief. So there's a renewed interest in this. There's many, many things like, for example, the Ouija board, there's people who use the Ouija board to make contact with the devil, with the shaitan, And then they burn themselves. So literally this article was not written by a Muslim. It was written by, you know, just a mainstream writer and essentially they they were saying that one needs to be very careful because they were relating stories of people who had been negatively affected and actually harmed uh because of uh, what uh, because of this dabbling in the occult practices right I mean, you know, Harry Potter probably started all of this on at the beginning, Harry Potter started all of this off, but now it's just taken a resurgence because people have a lot of time, social media, easy access to these things and people getting negatively affected. And then they just don't understand because they don't believe in exorcism or whatever. And then there's people who go crazy. Right. And, And there's a lot of things happening like that. So the article was warning about these practices. One needs to be very, very careful about these practices. So Um, Why are we speaking about this today? Well, firstly is to warn people that it might sound very innocent. It might sound like a bit of an adventure, a bit of an experience. Let me try these things or try that thing. But it's extremely dangerous and we know this and it's haram in our religion to dabble with this. To give you an idea, the way it works, I mean, the way we understand is that every magic that's done today is magic is done through jinn. So what you do is you invoke a jinn and the jinn makes you do them uh, a favor or they're going to do you a favor so they make them do they make you do something now of course it's a non-muslim jinn it's a bad jinn it's an evil jinn so what they do is they will make you insult Allah and his messenger sallallahu uh, there's been a number of uh, you can say objects found in the homes of uh, you know contemporary uh, witches in the muslim world right as well where they'll find pieces of the Qur'an, like pages from the Qur'an and names of Allah, smeared with menstrual blood, for example, and filth, uh, feces. That's what the jinn require people to do, to then do the favor that, they've been, that that has been asked of them. So a lot of people would go to such individuals who are connected to the jinn in that sense, who basically sold their faith. Right? They don't have any faith anymore in that sense. That's why you can see it's pure kufr in most cases, pure kufr. And then they get some chants and spells from them and then they cause problems in the community. So they say that every bit of magic happens through jinn, through a connection, through a jinn, because it's the jinn that do the background work for you. Okay? So that's what we know about in the Muslim community. Now, what is in here for us? What we have to understand is that there's a number of people I know who have done a lot of research when it comes to witchcraft and the occult. And I remember one of them, who's actually a friend of mine, he, he's telling me that he's read in their books. And he told me this, I would say, about 12 years ago, 14, 12 to 14 years ago. He said that he found in their books that they say that there's only one thing that, actually, that can actually properly protect you. Uh, from the, the the negative effects of these things and that's a verse that is found in the Muslim holy book the Quran and That verse is Ayatul Kursi, which is really really interesting, right? It's Ayatul Kursi. I Remember hearing that from him there. I've not been able to find the book that you know, he was referencing. However recently just a few months ago There was this little video clip that went around of a Russian witch. It just looks like a casual normal woman, right? And she's saying that when I try to do spells and it's a Muslim, I can't get through. There's a halo, there's almost like a halo around Muslim, uh, Muslims that I target. It's like, almost like there's a, there's a, a light or a sh- halo, a protective halo, like a protective shield of invincibility. All the dhikr that we do, it protects us from the shaitan and evil influences. If we pray on time, and we, especially if you want the best protection, is to read the du'as and ayatul kursi massive impact extremely beneficial and protective we've got that that's why nobody should be afflicted if we do this so uh, there, there's a really interesting incident that took place once that i want to relate to you in 19 it was 1999 and i'd gone to america for Tarawi that year i moved there the year after but I, I i went there and i stayed with this brother who whose family were visiting his in-laws so he was alone for Ramadan and so he had space in his house so they had organized for me to stay there with him. So we finished Tarawi, came home, went to sleep and I had uh, the, the room on my own and there was a lamp in there. There was a tall lamp in there. It was one of those touch lamps. You touch the base, you tap the base and it comes on, you tap it again, it comes on a bit brighter and then it has various settings and you tap it again then it goes off, right? So you have to kind of tap it, there's no button. In the middle of the night about two o'clock suddenly it just comes on. And I wake up, I was like, who put the light on, right? Who put the light on? Okay, I went put it off and then went back to sleep. And the next day I tell, my, I tell the host, I tell him that, you know, this is what happened last night. I just mentioned it, just thought, I'll mention it. Now, there in the area that I was in, in California, I mean, the houses are made of wood, right? The frames are made of wood, they're not made of brick. so. They do have a bit of movement, and there was a train track that used to go past it. It could have been just simply something like that, just something moved or whatever, right? Or malfunction of the lamp or whatever the case is, right? I'm not saying there was something. But then when I told this friend of mine, this is what he decided to him. He said, Oh, you know what? That's my son's room, right? You're sleeping in my son's room, and my son saw the shaitan in that room. And I was like, Yeah, Jazakallah, that's really, really, really comforting, right? That's really comforting. To know that you know the shaitan has been seen in this room i mean i mean the shaitan could be anywhere to be honest i mean the shaitan could be anywhere the only time the shaitan is away is when you make adhan or dhikr or allah or you know in arafah he has to stay at the uh, stay in the outskirts i mean shaitan can be around so that, that don't think that's kind of any unusual i mean it's just about him showing himself so i was like okay that's really interesting now what he proceeded to explain to me was extremely amazing that's very empowering, and I think that's the crux of this matter that really highlights what we need to be doing, right? So he said that one day in the middle of the night, right, uh, he suddenly hears his son calling him, Baba, 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 you know, from the other room. So he quickly rushes over, and while, when he's at the door of the room, his son is sitting up in bed, and he's saying, uh, Baba, I can see the shaitan, I can see the shaitan. So what would you do in that case if your child called you and you're by the door and your child is saying, I can see the shaitan"? what would you do? I would assume that many people would probably go there and grab the child and say, oh, it's all right, don't worry, you're not really seeing anything, you just had a bad dream or we'll try to kind of, you know, just comfort the child like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But what this guy did was amazing and he was extremely empowering. He, From the door he said, from what I recall, he said, read Ayatul Kursi. Right? I mean, his children knew Ayatul Kursi because he taught them. And the kid just, Allahu la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum la ta'akhuthuhu sinatun Lahu mafisamawati wa la la hu ma fi samawati wa ma fi al-ard And as he's reading, he says, Baba, the shaitan is gone. He's going, he's gone. Now, just think about that. that. How empowering that is. For you to experience something like this and then to read Ayatul Kursi and then the thing just fizzles away. That's amazing. Now imagine that child for the rest of his life, wherever he goes, he's never going to be scared again. I've got something with me and you all have it. We all have it. But we just have not referenced it in that right way and used it in that right way. But that made me extremely confident afterwards, even more confident than I was. I mean, I knew the theology behind it that the jinn can't do anything to you, they're actually supposed to be scared of you the only time that they can scare you is if you become vulnerable, show your vulnerability, express your vulnerability and don't seek protection from Allah, otherwise Allah has protection Ayatul Kursi is something in a famous hadith of Abu Hurairah which I don't want to repeat today, but you probably know about it when he was looking after the Baytul mal, he was looking after the supplies of the National Treasury Right, of the treasury of Medina Munawwara and somebody came to steal something and it was the shaytan and then shaytan said that this, read this ayatul kursi so there's a number of narrations about this, we, we know about this that it is very protecting. Now just as a side note here why do children think, uh, see things sometimes? Children at a very young age when they're still infants and uh, toddlers, before their you can say their senses are fully developed because the eye develops the eye sees at a frequency Right? That's why we can't, see, uh, we can't see infrared rays. We can't see the heat in the room. Okay, We can see a reflection of the heat. If you look on a day when there's a slight amount of light coming in from the window and your radiator is on the opposite side, and you look at the wall, you could probably see the rising of the heat as a shadow only. But you can't see the heat unless it's smoke. Then you're seeing smoke. There's many other things, microwaves, that you cannot see, okay? So, because our eyes don't work at that frequency, our eyes work at a frequency where we can see one another, and a brain is processing this, and it can't process other frequencies. That's why sometimes when you have special goggles, infrared goggles or whatever, you can see more things, Right, Because now you've just added another dimension So when children are young They say that their eyes may have not formed fully That's why they may be able to see at other frequencies Eventually by age they fully form And then they can't see them anymore That's why sometimes you might say Your child is seeing something You can't see something It doesn't happen too many times But you do see that dogs can see things that we can't see And that's why they sometimes howl and bark right? Because they're seeing jinn And we can't see them that's a possibility. Sometimes a dog is barking and you don't know what he's barking at. Another example is that those who have dealt with dogs or deal with dogs, they have a whistle. It's called a dog whistle. When you want to call your dog, you whistle. Nobody else can hear. You yourself cannot hear any sound coming from that whistle. But it's functioning at another frequency which the dog can hear. Animals can hear at another frequency and see at another frequency. All right? So that, that's probably the explain a lot. Is you don't have to worry about it too much. You just have to prey on them. So... This is what I'm going to propose and say. We need to teach our children how to protect themselves, and we need to protect ourselves. Very, very important. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given us all the tools in our religion. He's given us all the tools. So this is what I would suggest. Ayatul Kursi. Every morning and evening, amazing, amazing protection you get from that, right? Uh, number two. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ قُلْ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قل أعوذ Amazing protection uh, through that as well, morning and evening. Number three, Suratul Al Fatiha, you add that to it. Number four, you at least add two du'as, which we get in the hadith, Bismillahi, al-Ladhi La Yaduru, Ma'asmihi, Shay'un fil Ardi, Wala fil Sama'i, al Sami'ul Alim. And that, that's the first one, uh, which means, In the name of the one, uh, in the name of Allah. Through, who, with whose name nothing in the heavens on the earth can provide harm. That's what we're invoking Allah with that name that nothing can, not, nothing can harm. The other one is I seek refuge in the complete words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from every evil he has created out there. And that's any evil. That doesn't have to be just jinn we're speaking about. So we read these du'as and then you blow on yourself, blow on your children. When your children get old enough, we teach them these du'as and encourage them to read it morning and evening and show them that these are for protection. And inshallah, they'll remain protected. The other thing which is very, very important is to stay pure as much as possible. To stay on wudu and definitely ghusl. So if you are in a seminally defiled state, don't go out to work as far as you can help it. Take a shower as soon as possible. It's okay if you're in the house and you have to wait a few hours. That's understandable. But you don't want to delay this. Right? You don't want to delay this in the daytime and so on. Now, there is an issue when it comes to women, obviously, when they're in their monthly uh, periods, then you, you, you know, that, that's, a, that's a state of impurity there. You can still make these du'as. All the du'as that I mentioned, Ayatul Kursi, Fatiha, All of these can be read even by uh, women. Uh, in a state of menstruation, for protection, morning and evening, uh, you, ha- you are more vulnerable. Essentially, when people are uh, when people are uh, impure, usually, so that's why you want to definitely fortify yourself. That's why it's been observed that people who are bewitched, who are under a sorcery or a spell, or you know, we say that they are uh, they have nazar, nazar lag bandish uh, These are various words that are used, right? There's uh, uh, there's a number of effects that they don't like reading the Quran, especially not the verses of Ruqya. I remember once in Jumu'ah uh, a few months ago, I was I recited the last verse of Surat Al-Baqarah in Jumu'ah. rasulu bima ilayhi wa malaikatihi wa wa Until the end, and this brother came up to me afterwards. I know the brother, and he said that was tough on me today. That was really, really tough. I felt very restless in my prayer when you're reading that. Because he does have effect. And he's been going through Rukia. Because whatever is possessing us, uh, whatever is possessing anybody, is going to protest against this because that's a cure. So if you feel like that, you need to read more. right? Not give in to it. And it might become more intense, they say. Uh, the second thing that they don't like to do a lot of times is that they don't like to have a shower. They don't like to have a bath. Because... Uh, it's an impurity. Magic is an impurity in that sense. And it likes impurity. So what it does is that it, it doesn't want you to have a shower. There's a, somebody I know about, very, very righteous person. Uh, and he used to you know, have a shower every two days or at least. When he was affected, his close people told me that it was tough to get him to have a shower at least once a week. Because you're affected in this way. And I'm not saying that you know, this is a self-diagnosis, but you can always do ruqya. You can always do ruqya. That's why you don't necessarily need to go and spend thousands of money running from one door to the next to try to find a cure. You can do this yourself. But the best thing is preemption. The best thing is preemption. And some of these people really take people for a ride, promising certain cures. There was a Moroccan brother. I mean, this is in many Muslim cultures. It's, it's, uh, you know, People know about this. That's why they reference it. In fact, it's in, magic is in every culture. It's just that when certain cultures don't know much about it, you just can't reference it. And you just don't know what's going on. Whereas when you do know about what's going on, some people just talk about it as though that is it. And every mental health issue is a magic issue. And that's not true. It could just be a mental health issue as well. So I always encourage a multi-pronged approach about these things that do some rukya, right? Uh, Pure Quranic rukya and uh, read the manzil and so on and that's extremely beneficial there's no side effects of that in fact the side effects are wonderful right Uh, it can only benefit you and also go and contact a uh, healthcare professional right and uh, because sometimes it could just be a chemical imbalance in the brain of some sort right it could be drug overuse there's people I know who've been in drugs and now they're schizophrenics. you know they just have a problem they, they issues, you know, and it's not necessarily magic, it's just that they've just been harmed, they've been damaged. So don't, don't leave everything on you know, at one door. Uh, this Moroccan brother, he told me that um, once uh, this woman went to a, one of these people, and uh, I mean, you can just tell how they literally make fun sometimes and do, do crazy things. He said that I can only do your ilaj and your therapy if you bring me an orphan mouse. You have to bring me an orphan mouse. Like, where'd you get an orphan mouse for? So, this poor woman, she's, she eventually finds a mouse colony, right, of mice. And then she kills, she figures out, I don't know how, she, uh, she figures out who the mother and father of that mouse is. And she kills the mother and father and essentially uh, makes the, the mouse an orphan mm-hmm. and then goes and takes that. Allahu Akbar. I mean, to be honest, you can only be an, considered technically an orphan if you're not balik yet. So how did he? Fi- I'm just messing around. Now. How did they? How did she figure out that the mouse was uh, mature yet or not? You know, because it had to be immature. But it just goes to show that this just really crazy stuff out there, and you have to be very, very careful. I mean, there's one thing that I can tell you to do that a number of people, number of people have been able to benefit. It's a simple thing that you do. If you think you've got issues and, you know, you have some kind of uh, evil eye on you, and it's very possible. It's very possible you can have evil. You can give, you can give evil eye to somebody innocently. If you don't say, MashaAllah, and invoke Allah when you're praising something, admiring something. You can say that to your own children give them the evil eye. Sometimes they just start acting out of character. Most of these duas will work. In fact, one very powerful verse for that that I found is the last verse of Surah Noon Wal Qalam. وَإِنْ يَكَادُوا الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَيُزْلِقُونَكَ بِأَبْصَارِهِمْ لَمَّا سَمِعُوا الذِّكْرَ وَيَقُولُونَ إِنَّهُ لَمَجْنُونَ وَمَا هُوَ إِلَّا ذِكْرٌ لِلْعَالَمِينَ Amazing, amazing dua. You can just tell a difference in the character where the evil eye uh, is, uh, is finished. So, sometimes you may get a new car, you may get a new handbag, you may get something new or you just, mashallah, Look very, you know, Allah has given you some beauty or some other great, uh, you know, position or influence or whatever. And somebody does, somebody gives you the evil eye, whether, you know, uh, with bad intent or with no bad intent, right? That's why it's important to keep reading this. And uh, as I said, the the other two, two things that I can tell you to do, which are very effective, is two things. Number one, after Maghrib, for three to five days after Maghrib, read the last three surahs of the Quran, which are mm-hmm. at, uh, the, uh, the the one I'm invoking here, the one I'm quoting, he says 83 times, but you can read it more than that. You know, uh, at least that amount. That's just by experience. They f- they say that that's a very effective amount. Otherwise, you could definitely do more than that. So don't get OCD about that. And then you blow in some water. Now, you don't have to read them all yourself. It's 83 times for each of them, right? Each of the three surahs. You can sit with a few people in your house, in your family, and each one reads, you know, twenty each or whatever it is, eighteen each or however it is, and get to that number. Blow in that water, all of you, blowing that water, and then you just drink that water by the next day Maghrib, and then you do it again, and then you do it again, and then you know, do it for another two days or something. Inshallah, Inshallah, we had number of uh, issue uh, cases where, mashallah, the problems they were facing uh, reduced or totally eliminated. Along with that, read al Baqarah. Finish it, preferably finish it every three days. Preferably finish it every three days. Not that difficult, right? It's like three quarter of a juz to finish it uh, over three days. Otherwise, if that's too tough, takes you a long time, read ten verses of it a day and keep finishing it like that. Inshallah, you'll be protected. You'll be protected. You'll get your vigor, let you sleep better. Inshallah, when all of these things, your concerns... Uh, If they're related to these aspects, they're fake concerns that have come about because of this, inshallah, they'll be be removed. So we've got the protection. We just need to use it, and we just need to increase our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So get our children to start learning this and uh, these things so that they can read it for themselves and let them feel the power of ayatul kursi, the great uh, throne verse, the great verse of the kursi and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's great words. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for protection to keep us pure, clean, and protected, right? May Allah keep us protected and productive. Wa rabbil alamin. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam, and to understand all the subjects of Islam at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, And that's why we started Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident You don't have to leave lectures behind you can continue to leave, uh, you know to listen to lectures But you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. and assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh